I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. I'm Megan Collins, and I'm so glad I'm able to share worship with you this morning. I'll be reading our scripture. It comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today, as we, we kick off this, this season of Lent together, we are starting a new sermon series entitled, Not Today, Satan. Did you know that That the last three years of Jesus' life, those years of crucial, like, gospel-recorded ministry that lead him to the cross, did you know that they emerge out of this notable meeting with Satan? This moment in the wilderness when Jesus basically says, Not today, Satan. Throughout the rest of his earthly ministry, Jesus continues to allude to this Satan, this, this, this Satan as tempter, accuser, adversary, evil one, crippling spirit. 
making it clear that the road to the cross is a road marked by acknowledging sin and evil and saying, not today, Satan. And so throughout this Lent, this 40-day journey with Jesus toward the cross and the grave and the empty tomb, we together are going to be exclaiming, not today, Satan, and, and, and acknowledging and repenting through this series of the presence of sin and evil, not just as this power outside of us, but something within. And so today we start with that first story, that first meeting with Satan. But first, I wonder if you've seen this movie. I wonder if you have seen The Devil's Advocate. Have you seen it? Al Pacino. Al Pacino wraps up this movie called The Devil's Advocate with, with one of the best soliloquies of, of last, last century's movie making. Do you know this monologue at the end? When finally, finally Pacino tips all of his cards and delivers this fantastic monologue. It's, it, it's good probably because it's it's Pacino, but it, it's also good because it's the part in the movie when Keanu Reeves just stops talking, which is always a good thing in a movie, right? But, but, but Pacino, in, in this sort of Pacino way, speaks for the devil. And he says, I don't make things happen. It, it doesn't work like that. I, I'm, I'm not a puppeteer. It's all free will. Free will, it's like butterflies' wings. Once you touch them, they can't get off the ground anymore. I don't pull the strings, Pacino says. I just set the stage. It's you who pulls your own strings. And the power of that scene is that we finally get to see evil enfleshed, right? But what's, what's captivating about that scene is that, is that we finally get to see the devil incarnate. Normally, when we confront evil and temptation, it's, it's much more subtle than that, right? It's, it's, it's normally just this kind of hidden mass thing. It's not as obvious. And if we're honest, it's... It's, it's not the big temptations that get us. It's the small, everyday compromises that get us. You know, you deserve it. Go, go ahead, you deserve it. Nobody's ever gonna know. You know, deep down, you're really not as good as you think you are. Nobody appreciates everything that you do. And all of those small, subtle temptations, those are the ones that pull our strings, if we're honest, and we spend most of our life trying to sort out the truth from the evil. And so this Pacino moment is just so refreshing. Because finally, 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 we see evil for what it is. And we long for it. There is this perverted grace in that revelation. 
the same way we yearn to see God made plain, obvious before our eyes, we, we yearn to see evil unmasked. Our gospel reading this morning in, in, Ma- in Matthew is, is like Matthew's Pacino moment. It's, it's this unmasking of evil in our midst. It's one of the rare times when we actually get to see evil for what it is. Matthew even brings up this character's name. Satan, Satan, or, or the tempter. It depends on which translation you're reading. He, he names this person for who he is. And the weird thing about this scene is that it's not, it's not at the end of the gospel, though. We, we didn't save this Pacino moment for the end of the story. Matthew puts it right up front as if it's, it's something he wants us to know about Jesus before we get any further down this road of following him. Matthew gives us this Pacino moment as an introduction to who Jesus is. Let that sit with you for a second. Satan becomes a means of introducing us to Jesus. We're still in the introductory phases of Matthew's gospel, right? So let's, let's review. Chapter 1, Matthew introduces us to Jesus through the lens of this genealogy. He basically gives us Jesus's pedigree, which is Matthew's shorthand of saying, look, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to the people called Israel. That's chapter one. And then we get to chapter two. The Magi show up, and this is Matthew's way of revealing a little bit more about who Jesus is, a way of saying, look, Jesus is the savior, not just of Israel, but of all nations. Then we get to chapter three, God shows up palpably in this chapter. It's it's the baptism chapter where Jesus is baptized and God speaks in this audible voice. This is my son. God showing up unmistakable, telling us who Jesus is. And then chapter four. Jesus meets Satan and it's our Next introduction, it's, and it's the tempter, it's Satan, it's evil, it's our Pacino moment. D- did, you, did you notice the first phrase of the gospel reading today? The, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Does that strike you as odd? The Spirit leads Jesus directly into the path of temptation, says Matthew. And then Satan shows up. And this is the next introduction that Matthew would have us know about Jesus. That following Jesus will put us face to face with our deepest temptations. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, and those of us who would follow Jesus, 
we will get our Pacino moment at some point because one of the things that Jesus does like no one else is that he reveals evil for what it is. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where he is confronted by these temptations. And for all of us who will follow Jesus, we should know right up front, right at the beginning of this journey, that following Jesus will cause us to face our deepest temptations too. Now this may seem counterintuitive to you. Because after all, you come to church. You, you set aside time for space like this, for worship, not, not just to hear someone like me talk, but, but you also come to worship to get away from that kind of thing, to get away from, from facing your deepest temptations. Frankly, it's exhausting to always have to face evil to face temptation. It's exhausting to always have to do battle with the things inside of us and outside of us. And so we, we come to church to kind of escape that, to get into some kind of ethereal, cerebral sort of moment of divinity. But we find out often that the Spirit has driven us to face those things that tempt us most. It's also counterintuitive because of that prayer that we pray every week in worship, the prayer we will pray in a few minutes from now. Jesus teaches us, teaches his disciples to pray. Lead us not into temptation, and, and then we follow Jesus in the same spirit that led him, and we find ourselves facing temptation. Like, like we've never faced it before. Note, here on this first Sunday of Lent, the first temptation that Jesus leads us away from is the temptation to ignore our temptations. The first temptation that Jesus leads us away from is the temptation to dismiss in disbelief the tempter. Following Jesus in the wilderness, we, we will be forced to confront those temptations that surround us all the time. If you'll remember last year, around this time, we were in a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. Right as the, the pandemic was descending, and we were totally unaware of how just three weeks from, from now we would not worship again at Island Creek Elementary School for more than a year. And last year at this time, we were in this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. We were talking through it. We were taking it line by line. And we got all the way through this prayer and we got to this line. Lead us not into temptation. And a youth in our church who I had baptized just about six months before came up to me after worship and said, 
you know, this line, this line is the one that every time I pray it, I get, it gets caught in my throat. Every time. I just can't say it when I pray it. Lead us not into temptation. Every time I pray it, it makes me choke up. It stops in my throat. It makes me almost want to cry. So like I'm intrigued, right? I'm intrigued. So I'm 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 listening to her and I ask her to tell me more about that. Why is that? I I asked. And she said, "Well, it's just such this conflicting phrase for me." Because I'm I'm praying not to be led into temptation, but I didn't really even know temptation until I started following Jesus anyways. Before I started trying to follow Jesus, it, it was just my life. I, I just lived my life. Life was pretty good and I didn't have to pay attention to my temptations. But then I started trying to follow Jesus and suddenly my life was full of temptation. It's full of, of the temptation to sleep in and not come to church. It's full of the temptation to not forgive those people who keep hurting me. It's full of the temptation to just focus on myself and what I want and not on what others need and want. And then I started following Jesus and I had to confront these temptations for what they were. This 11 to 12 year old noticed this and spoke to this, that, that it's just hard to pray. Lead us not into temptation. When it seems to her, when it seems to us that Jesus is leading us straight into it and through it. Such is this Lenten wilderness journey that we're on, friends. Following Jesus will put us face to face with the tempter. And those temptations that yearn for our attention. And by God's grace, Jesus finds a way to lead us through them to new life on Easter. This is why one, one of my favorite Philosophers and theologians from a couple of centuries ago, he, I love what he says. It's, it's not the Christian ideals that are the problem. It's, it's actually doing them. Kierkegaard said, it's not the, the Christian ideals that are the problem. It's actually doing them. Loving my neighbor is a great idea until I meet my neighbor, right? Embodying the faith of Jesus will cause us to face the temptation of Satan, of the tempter to hate our neighbor, to write them off, to neglect communion and community, to neglect the communion with God that God is so desperately seeking from us. 
Jesus will lead us away from the temptations of ignoring the tempter, of ignoring our temptations by putting us face to face with Satan himself and with those things that tempt us most. And deep down, I know you know this is good news. You know that because you are also yearning for your, your Pacino moment when, when even though you're, you're scared to death of it, even though seeing evil unmasked is just as petrifying as seeing God unmasked, deep down, we're all yearning for, for evil to be unmasked and revealed. The good news is that, that Jesus leading us by, by the gift of the Spirit will unmask evil for what it is day by day as we follow him in this, in this wilderness. We've, we've been in this, this study on Tuesday nights on the faith of John Wesley, and, and, and this is why John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said, that even our temptations are a means of grace. God's grace is even more perverted than our temptations. Wesley says God's grace is, is more perverted than our temptations because having to con front them, God refines us and makes us better than we are. Our encounters with the tempter become a means for God to refine us, sanctify us, perfect us. God leading us to face our temptations is one way that God loves us into being who God has created us to be. This Lent, as we walk with Jesus toward the cross and the empty tomb, each week Jesus is leading us to face our tempter, to face our temptations of, of, of shame, of despair, of fear, of pride, so that, that we, having, having been able to say, not today, Satan might be made whole with Jesus this Easter. In, in, in the words and, and melody and silence, friends, of our, of our Sunday liturgy, in the stillness of, of morning prayer, in, in, the, in the confidence of the same spirit that leads Jesus into the wilderness. This Lent, confront your temptations. Allow Jesus to lead to lead you through them. And as you do, you will see the Spirit leading all of us away from the temptation to avoid the very places God meets us, like, like a tomb, even a tomb. And we'll hear with all the saints those angelic words on Easter, not today, Satan, he is not here, he is risen.
I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you, our hearts open to you, this, this onset of Lent. We know that, that this season is about ridding ourselves of, of those things that entangle us and choosing to walk with you on, on the path to the cross and the empty tomb. And we know that on that path, God, we know that on that path, we, we can't forsake, we can't neglect, we can't deflect our temptations. So we join with you, God, in that prayer that baffles us, but the prayer that, that you taught us and we are relearning, re-understanding today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. There is peace at the table of the Lord.